Welcome to the Democracy Group, a network of podcasts about democracy, civic engagement, and civil discourse. In this feed, you will find a sampling of episodes from our podcast and the Democracy Group, as well as recordings from our events. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please visit democracygroup.org to find more like this. Now let's get to our featured episode. Welcome to the Democracy Group's Twitter Spaces. My name is Justin Kemp. I'm the host of the podcast Democracy Paradox and your host for this event. Um, in the future, I mean, as people participate, um, we do want to encourage people to attend live so that they can request to speak whenever they have questions and really engage with, uh, with our guests. Now, today, I'm excited to present Terry Crandall, Terry is the founder and CEO of Voting Smarter. They are a nonprofit that aims to match citizens with politicians and companies that share their political values or share your political values, honestly. They have an impressive app. It's a Google extension that's designed to help people find companies aligned with their beliefs on a range of issues. So, Terry. Let's uh, kick off this topic. Awesome. Thanks. How easy is it? Yeah. How easy is it for consumers to recognize when a corporation does not reflect their values? Well, I think uh, I'm an economist. So the answer to every question is it depends. But uh, <laughs> the, I, I think it's really hard uh, to, to really know. There's a, there's a lot of hand-wringing by corporations. There's a lot of messaging. There's a lot of money spent on marketing. Um, and, uh, you know, when we first set out to figure out how to match our, you know, 4,000 or so users for our dating app for elections from 2020 to companies based on, uh, their political beliefs, we thought it'd be really easy to go find where companies stand on issues like sustainability and diversity and inclusion. And, and when we, when we started doing the research, it was really hard, um, there are, it, there's a lot of platitudes, there's a lot of press releases, but there's also a lot of lawsuits. And, and so it's really hard to cut through the noise from the corporations and figure out where they stand. There's some organizations like, um, like B Corp, certified B Corp, that try and help um, organizations get outside evaluation to see where they stand. There's a lot of different rating agencies when it comes to uh, diversity or sustainability, environmental impact. But each each one has its own way of generating that metric, and so they're not super comparable. So we found it really hard to figure out um, based on public data. And, you know, nobody, nobody at Kraft or, you know, Avis Rental Cars was going to say, hey, yeah, Terry, uh, we don't know you. Come, come talk uh, to us about our deep-seated feelings about politics. And so we, we sort of had this light bulb moment where we had just finished doing 4,000 hours of uh, research on political candidates running in 2020. And whether they were running for Congress, uh, the House and the Senate, whether they were running for governor or running for president, those were the, the candidates we covered in our app. And we realized that, you know, the real, we one of the ways that companies uh, participate in politics and, and, and leverage their political beliefs or try and advance their political beliefs is through lobbying and donations. And so instead of sort of filtering through the, the press releases and platitudes, 
We dug into the data from Open Secrets, which is another nonprofit that goes through FEC data um, on, on donors and companies and lobbying and the FEC data itself. And we basically took every dollar donated to a candidate as a vote for uh, those candidates' values or, or political positions. And so the, the biggest brands, you, you might imagine, uh, want to maintain the status quo because uh, they're winning. And so a lot of them are relatively centrist in their donations because they donate to the right and the left to maintain their influence. But a lot of them definitely lean on specific issues. And so, so you can imagine maybe uh, Amazon donated to Ted Cruz because they have distribution centers in Texas. Uh, but they also may have donated to uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And so while Ted Cruz and AOC have, you know, probably completely opposite views on those things, those sort of donations would wipe each other out in our algorithm. We, t we took the net of, of the donations on each issue. So um, we thought it was hard to answer your question. Uh, and so we what we're all about is trying to make things simple. And, and we hope we've done that. You know, our first attempt is the extension that you mentioned. Thank you for saying it. It's great. Um, you know, but we definitely need more people to use it, try it out, and tell us what they hate. Okay. I've got a few questions on that. Sweet. You mentioned, yeah, you mentioned that you primarily used campaign donation data, right? Correct. Okay. Um, let's just stick there with just the idea of campaign donation data. There's obviously a lot of ways that a company or an individual can signal their support through donations. One is by donating to people. And it could be like if you donate, let's say, $1,000 to AOC that says that you care a lot more about her than you do Ted Cruz, even though you donate to both, if you only donated a hundred dollars to him. So I'd assume that some of it's based not just on who they donated to, but how much. Am I right about that? Every dollar donated was one vote for all of Ted Cruz's positions and every dollar okay. to AOC would have been. So, so uh, not to give too much away, but imagine uh, there's, there's 14 issues that we focused it on. And so, right. If, if they gave a hundred bucks to AOC, it was a hundred votes for um, gun control. And if they gave a thousand bucks to Ted Cruz, it was a thousand votes for less gun control. Does that create a bias based on the number of incumbents in office at a given time? Like if the Democrats have the House, it might have a leftist bias than if the Republicans have control of the House or the Senate? That's a, that's a really interesting perspective in the sense that um, incumbents generally are who large corporations donate to no matter what. Um, and the, the, that's because, as I said, that they're sort of winning already. Um, and so it certainly could create a bias. Uh, there, it, this is definitely not a company's actual political perspective, but what we're measuring is their, their monetary political impact. Uh, mm -hmm. I bet I bet there's a lot of companies who donated opposite to their political perspectives for corporate gain, 
but uh, it's hard to know exactly what companies want without them proving it to us by letting us talk to their people and audit their activities and things like that. And we're not at a scale where we have any market power to do that. Um, and so really what, what the, the metric we, we think we're measuring is their actual impact. But certainly, uh, take Michigan, for, for instance, um, where, uh, you know, you might think uh, auto companies are relatively right-leaning, especially some American brands. But of course, they have to donate to Democratic senators or Democratic governors in Michigan because that's where they're headquartered and that's where they want to maintain some political control. So it's certainly not necessarily the the political goals or views of a corporation and their top employees, but it is the, a measurement of the political impact. Okay, I, I just had a had a weird idea here, mm. idea here. Okay. Okay. So Democrats took the House with very large numbers in in twenty eighteen. In the lead up to the 2020 election, we had a what they called the blue wave mm-hmm. coming in. Mm-hmm. And around that time, a lot of corporations are sounding very progressive, at least on paper. OK, is it we talk a lot about politicians changing their perspective based on who gives them money? Is is there anything to be said for corporations changing their approach to corporate governance or even just in terms of their rhetoric based on who's in office and who they're currently giving money to? We've certainly seen a shift in corporate rhetoric, um, whether it was about voting rights, whether it was about um, diversity, equity, inclusion. We've definitely seen corporations over the, the, the few years we've been um, uh, a nonprofit getting more vocal about their positions. We, I think you bring up a really interesting point that I want our research team to actually sort of statistically test against um, maybe the frequency of news stories about uh, different topics to see if we're seeing a bend in the, in the arc of corporate perspectives. So you know, what we have right now is what we call our MVP, our minimum viable product. And mm-hmm. we want to build in more metrics in ways to match you. We, we definitely want to build in a, uh, a way of measuring their impact on the environment um, and, and some of their self-proclaimed metrics into our algorithm uh, as we scale. Uh, but we, as of right now, we don't have any sort of ability to do that. And I, I think that we would see that corporations' public statements definitely change uh, with the winds of the day. Uh, but the way we're measuring it now, if it's all based on donations, the, do- the donations don't necessarily correlate with those events. They will often correlate with specific legislation or an election. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and, and this yeah. is, yeah. And obviously we're using to some extent elections or donations rather might be correlated to some other factor. That's the real cause 
and the donations just kind of act as a stand-in because it's easier to measure. Sure, like an incremental variable in the nerdy terms. Yeah, like um, they're strongly correlated. Um, Yeah, but that doesn't make it any less, you know, impactful because at the end of the day, you don't really, if you're just a citizen, just a consumer, and you're just wanting to know, hey, how do these corporations feel? Like, am am I supporting a group that's, that's aligning with my values am i buying from a company that's doing something that i that i detest i mean it, it doesn't really matter how we got there if we can figure out how to get there then that that serves the purpose of what you're trying to accomplish yeah i mean i'll tell you the truth right if if i could wave a magic wand and end corporate donations uh to politicians, I would, but the Supreme Court said uh, that those are legal, and so the goal of of our project, of this process, and the and the browser extension is sort of twofold. Big picture, down the road, we reach scale, we kick butt, um, and the result will be that average corporate donations will look more like their average consumers' preferred donations if they could make them and so it'll it'll it won't be the same sort of corporatism or 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 a lot of people think that major donors and corporations have far too much political power and they control the language of our laws and the enforcement of our of our public policies and so as as the if we can demonstrate to companies that you'll have more of a customer lifetime value meaning customers will stick around longer, buy more stuff from you, that you'll have stronger brand loyalty and you'll have active customers posting about your product more. If you demonstrate to them that you're trying to make a world that they want to live in with your political donations, then we can sort of recalibrate the power um, and the results from, from these corporate donations. You know, it's very, I, I understand it's very Pollyannish, of us to think we can do that, but um, we don't think it can happen any other way than using the market. Okay, so let's dig into this mm-hmm. this idea. Like, how much influence do consumers really have to actually change or affect corporate behavior or even just corporate rhetoric? Yeah, uh, again, it depends. Uh, I, I think that it, it, the issue matters and at, at what cost to the corporation. There are, there are a lot of legacy corporations that tend uh, to ha- look at their fiduciary spons- uh, responsibility to their shareholders um, and, and weight profit over progress, if we want to put it that way. Um, and, and for us at Voting Smarter, every person can view progress differently. We don't have a view of what's right or wrong. We merely are trying to be as objective as possible. Whatever you think progress might be, and I might think progress might look like, could be very different. Um, so there's some companies that it's all about the bottom line. And there's other companies that, whether it's uh, because they've seen that to manage their staff, they have to conduct themselves in a certain way, and um, and they're right there. The people who work for them are are very much about corporate social responsibility, and and so 
or or maybe they the owners or the major players at the top are about corporate social responsibility. Um, then then I think it does, but those don't even have to match uh, their their customers' values, right? Because I, I, there's plenty of people who go to Starbucks who love their guns. And there's plenty of people who go to Dunkin' Donuts who want more gun control. Whereas Dunkin' Donuts donates to candidates who prefer gun rights and Starbucks donates to candidates who prefer gun control. So it's, it's more, uh, so I don't know how, how much economics you had to suffer through when you were studying, <laughs> but um, there's this idea of perfect information and it's that you know everything about the product. You know as much about the product as the seller knows about the product. And that doesn't really exist in the real world. But uh, when you can think of like early Yelp, when a bunch of hipsters with uh, mustache wax were trying out all the restaurants and critiquing them. I mean, the reviews were amazing. You found all the great new restaurants to go to. Um, and you, there wasn't the same trial and error of trying this new place or that place because there were a bunch of, of, of very critical restaurant critics who had been there before and posted about it on Yelp. We got closer to that idea of perfect information when you're going to a new town and you don't know where to eat or a new place opens up. With the, you know, our ultimate goal 10 years from now is to, is to be able to show you the real cost of what you're buying, the real price. And most, most economists would say, okay, well, that would be taking into account all these externalities, right? The pollution it creates or the, the benefit, right? When I buy deodorant, it benefits those around me because they don't stink as much. But if I eat a, a garlicky sandwich, it has the opposite effect to those around me. And so um, I think that uh, we have, as individuals in America, we have vastly different perspective on what's good and bad. And, and so we want to make it sort of like a bespoke cost to everybody. So if you care a lot about the environment and you care a lot about um, diversity and there's companies out there that are, are hurting the environment or not taking steps to make sure that their employment policies are fair, then uh, you, you want to know that and you want to, that, that makes the cost of your cashmere sweater more than the, the $200 price tag that you see on it. And so um, eventually we'd love to be able to come up with this sort of true price um, metric uh, with a lot of really smarter people than me um, sort of generating that per person. And a lot of that would be the political impact of these companies. But yeah, we're just trying to get closer and closer to perfect information. We think the more you know about a product, it's not the only reason you're gonna buy a coffee, right? Maybe Duncan's closer. Maybe, maybe Starbucks is on every corner. Maybe you're from Boston, and so all you drink is Dunkin', right, according to, to, to my teammate from New England, <laughs> right? And so, um, you know, there's plenty of my, – my wife has no use for this product. She's like, can it be here in two days, and is it cheaper? Because we have twins, and we're barely surviving. And, you know, so we don't – a lot of families won't have the luxury of shopping their values. They have to shop their pocketbook. But I certainly know that growing up without a lot, my mom still gave tons of money to Johnson and Johnson when she bought my baby shampoo. 
And maybe she didn't agree with the world that they were help funding or that their products help create. And so we're, we're just getting started, but we, we, this is really a test of, do people want this information? Are they willing what? to pay a little bit more for products that match them? Well, Terry, uh, like uh, right now, like uh, you're using political donations. So you're asking and the survey asks questions like, how do you feel about gun control and a lot of um, popular political issues? I think there's five questions, if I remember the survey right. Um, the what about looking at things that are not necessarily political, but are things that corporations have even more control over? and that are easy to identify, such as the amount of diversity within their workforce, or even better yet, the amount of diversity on their corporate board, or whether or not they have a um, somebody who is uh, a person of color, or a woman, or even um, transgender people that are in high levels of authority within the corporation. Has that been something that's been thought about? Because that's that's easy to measure, and it's something people care a lot about. Absolutely. That was one of the first areas we looked at, and we came across four or five different um, independent agencies that sort of send out surveys to companies or do the analysis on companies and then give companies a score. Mm. And and so, like, one of the issues we had early on before we launched the extension, we had a, a website that just had leaderboards who donated, who donated the most to pro-gun or uh, pro-gun control companies or pro-life or candidates who, who donated the most to um, pro-choice or pro-life uh, candidates. One thing we wanted to cover was human rights. And, you know, legislation, there aren't that many things about legislation, but definitely where and how you manufacture products. You know, a lot of people care about fast fashion and um, sweatshops and the, the impact of the things they buy. So we did research um, climate impact, environmental impact, diversity, equity, inclusion, and human rights. And we found several of these scoring groups. And not every company was scored, but they might score a whole industry. And when we dug into how they score them, it wasn't nearly as straightforward as you would think. It wasn't just how many of group X are in position Y. There were a lot of other things that they would use at, that they thought were correlated with a diverse workplace that were much more convoluted. Hmm. And so um, like offering daycare, right? The, the, and and it's, it's not an implausible argument, but offering daycare made you a more diverse company in their score, in one of the, is an example of one of their scoring metrics. And, and, and the argument is, is that unfortunately, as a, as a, as a statistical observation, there are um, more single parent households in uh, the, the, in communities of color, there's more low income households in communities of color. And therefore, if you were to offer daycare, more members of uh, those communities could work for that corporation. Which is, you know, sort of in the dominoes of things, it makes total sense. But you could also imagine that the Ku Klux Klan headquarters in Alabama could have free daycare for all of its employees. 
and it's probably not a very diverse workplace. I I would actually go a different direction. I would assume that the places that have daycare are most likely the corporations like Amazon and these other big tech companies that have them in their headquarters for people who are already making fabulous sums of money. Uh-huh. And the people who are working lower paying jobs that actually need the daycare in these cases likely are not at workplaces that offer free daycare. So, um, you know, the people who work at Amazon or Facebook that are the programmers making six figure, like 200, 300, 400,000 a year, um, they may appreciate the free daycare, but it doesn't change. It doesn't make it more diverse because you offer that when the person's already making enough income to, to, you know, pay for daycare on their own. It's just another one of those giveaways that a lot of those tech companies provide. I mean, I'd have to know what kind of companies were providing the daycare. I mean, I, I just think there's a lot of factors involved. Exactly. And, and, and so that's why it, it, everywhere we looked, especially on the environmental measurements and on the diversity measurements, there were all these sort of measurements that we found plausible but suspect. And, and, and that there would be a lot of spurious correlations between offering daycare and um, being a diverse workforce. And, and, and so without having the ability to audit these companies ourselves, uh, it would have been the, the manpower, person power, excuse me, it would have taken to truly measure the diversity of these companies um, would be difficult. Every a lot of these big companies do put out their own um, sort of um, studies and numbers, and it's something we could definitely incorporate. And and we want, like I said, we want to incorporate a lot of these different data points. But the the same can be said with ESG. Have you heard of ESG investing? Mm-mm. So uh, wait, I think so. Go go ahead, explain it. Like iShares. Um, so there's these large mutual fund groups where you can invest ethically. Is sort of their advertising um, uh, mm-hmm. mantra. So, if you care about the environment, you care about the impact of a company on society, um, or you have the impact on governance, right? It sort of it started off as something called triple bottom line accounting. I don't know, almost twenty years ago, and uh, right, it was like people, planet, and profit, and then that grew into ESG. And so there's all these investment funds that claim to be investing in green stuff, or you get an ESG score or a climate impact score. And and so we thought, wow, this would be a great proxy just to start off as what, you know, so we started digging into these ESG portfolios and we would say, okay, so these companies are, you know, they've been measured by these large investment banks. And so sort of outsource some of the initial research just because, again, this is a test to see if people will even change where they buy. If they see they're a 50% match with Mar- Walmart, are they going to click the Target logo if they're an 80% match? Because maybe mm-hmm. they won't. And maybe this is a moot point, and we don't want to waste hundreds of thousands of dollars building a robust product. And so um, when we dug into the ESG data, some of the biggest environmental mutual funds had oil companies in them. Yep. And the argument was, well, no, no, no. These are the oil companies who said they're going to lower greenhouse gas emissions by 15%. Mm-hmm. Okay, but 
there aren't companies that don't emit any greenhouse gases. Like, like it just, it's, the problem is, it's all really hand-wavy BS. Yeah, the economist and, has, yeah, the economist has talked about how they do a lot of greenwashing on those, um, those investment mm -hmm. funds. Exactly. And so we spent months going through so much of these data and we're just like, we couldn't tell the, the, the pyrite from the gold, you know? And so that's when we said, look, we've got this huge data set on candidate stances. We can find this completely objective data of hard numbers that went from company A to candidate B or went from the key employees of company A to candidate B. And so we could actually make a far more objective metric of political impact if we just use numbers. And so that's why we did it the way we did. But I agree with you that as we grow our user base, as we get into the thousands, tens of thousands, hopefully hundreds of thousands of users, we'll, if we can demonstrate these patterns that people will tend mm -hmm. to spend 15% more, right? Because there's been a bunch of surveys. People said they'll spend anywhere from 8 to 15% more for a sustainable product over a non-sustainable product. Um, so I think in 2020, $164 billion worth of sustainable goods were sold in the United States. So there's definitely a market on sustainability alone. And so we think this is a real market, but again, we're trying to figure that out. Yeah. So, uh, Brandon, are we, uh, are we wrapping up in a moment here or are we still, or how long are we going till? We can wrap up. Okay. I just want to kind of just check in before I, I keep going because I could go forever. Um, I, got one, I got one more question for you, and this is, this is a tough one. Um, when we're talking about using dollars to be able to affect corporate behavior, I mean, does this, does this feed into this idea of cancel culture? Is, does this, does this, app that you've developed i mean is that really the end goal that it that it whether it's intentional or not is really just encouraging people to engage in cancel culture um because they're making decisions not based on the products but based on other views that those corporations or other positions those corporations have taken were you were you in our staff meetings um were you were you, were you hiding justin so we we've been that that's our key worry about what we're doing and so we've approached how we do it a little differently um we have not leaned in to the outrage of a lot of these issues and we and, and it's one of the reasons we probably don't have a, a thousand users already um and we when you're in the app it shows you who you match with Right? It doesn't try and show you who you need to cancel. It shows you where to shop. And, and so, yeah, I think we're, we're trying to walk the line and, and of cancel culture. We're not saying that you shouldn't shop at Walmart. We're saying you should understand the impact of where you shop. And it, you might be funding a world that... Um, you don't want to live in. See, cancel culture is about what people believe. Oh, I can't. 
Uh, I follow this great newsletter called Tangle. Uh, shout out to, to Isaac. And he took a stance a bunch of people didn't like on the um, drag shows in, uh, I think it was in Texas, for the kids. And he got a bunch of hateful emails and a bunch of cancellations. Like, oh, I'm not going to read you anymore. And, and the whole point of his newsletter is, hey, these are ideas that you might not agree with. But people are so af- – I'm not afraid of what companies want to happen or believe or what their employees want to happen or believe. I want to know when they use my money to do it. It's a, For me, it's a big difference. It's not like, um, you know, somebody I disagree with should never work again. But they shouldn't necessarily get my money again if they're doing things that I, I, I think are wrong or um, – or, or because if they're going to use my money to lobby politicians to do the opposite of what I want, well, that's my money. And so the analogy I use is, is this, and since we're wrapping up, um, I grew up in a very political household. It was just me and my mom, and we, you know, I, we talked politics and news at the dinner table every night. And we, you know, my mom wore shoes like a decade at a time. We didn't have any extra money. Um, but so, so she never made any political donations. She never bought any politicians. But she bought a lot of products. And so what we, what we think of the Voting Smarter Extension as, as it's, it's a single mom super PAC. And it allows people to direct where their dollars go. Uh, because it's not just, hey, Disney is more for trans rights than I am or uh, whatever, so I'm not going to go to Disney. That's, that doesn't make sense. If, but if Disney is going to use your money to lobby politicians to change the rules that you don't want, that does make sense. So that's sort of what we're, you know, I, but yeah, I mean, we definitely don't want to add to the negativity. Um, but the reality is, is, is these, is corporations can use a rounding error in profits to control the government in our view. Well, I like the, I like the idea of the single mom super PAC. I think that's a great tagline to, uh, add to any marketing, uh, marketing (laughs) materials you put out there. The, uh, and I do think that this has got just tremendous opportunities for growth, um, could put in things like carbon emissions, could put in Mm -hmm. things like we talked about with, Maybe whether or not they have a diverse board, whether or not they um, have a diverse workforce, um, you know, could put in things like um, number of, of, you know, negative lawsuits in terms of mm. things like sexual harassment. I mean, there's all kinds of different possibilities that you can imagine that y- you might just want to know and that might not be in the uh, on everybody's mind when they're going to shop, but could be a gentle reminder that if this is something you really care about, maybe Maybe instead of shopping at Home Depot, you go to Lowe's. I mean, mm-hmm. very simple, very simple decisions on things like that. And so I think this is a really revolutionary idea. I think it's something to to really think about and yet another way to be able to have a say within within politics and society. So thank you so much, Terry, for uh, joining us. Can you is, mention one more time what the uh, name of your organization and the website is? Yeah, so we're Voting Smarter. Our website is VotingSmarter.com. 
voting.org. You can go to the Chrome web store right now and search Voting Smarter and find our Chrome extension, or you can click the download now or uh, button on our website, which again is votingsmarter.org. Okay. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Terry. Thanks, Brandon, for uh, helping us put this together. And shout out to Olivia for joining the Democracy uh, Group team. So thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode from the Democracy Group. If you want more podcasts like this, then visit democracygroup.org. There you will find our events, topics, and a newsletter as well. So head on over to democracygroup.org.